Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. Hey everybody, welcome back. We're so glad you're joining us this week. We're in the third installment of our series, What's in a Name? So excited because we are just about to the Easter season and I, I can't wait uh, to celebrate with you, whether we're together or not in physical uh, contact. I'm just so excited to, to share. You know, we're going to be able to have communion with each other, apart from each other, and I think we're just going to have to take a special focus uh, this year to know that while we're apart, the spirit of Jesus is still in his people, the body of Christ is still unified, and we're all together. And so uh, happy Palm Sunday to you, and uh, as we get to Easter Sunday, man, I'm just expecting God to do something miraculous in our nation and in every community across the face of the earth. Uh, we are waiting for the King of Kings to walk in and change the whole reality. Uh, as we begin today, we've been talking over the past couple weeks uh, about the power and the hope that are in the name of Jesus. The title of our series, of course, is What's in a Name? And today we'll be talking about healing. Um, because there is, in fact, healing in the name of Jesus. And it's one of the more exciting parts, but it's also one of the more controversial parts because of media, the portrayal of what healing is. And, and, and I think we have a, a bad representation of a lot of good doctrine that still exists in God's word today. And so come with me on this little journey. We're going to talk together about it. And uh, I trust that the Holy Spirit will speak to you today and that you will leave your time with us this morning with a slightly different view than you started with. Let's pray first. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living, that it is active, that it is sharper than every two-edged sword. God, that it goes out from you and it never comes back to you without, without accomplishing the thing that you desired it to or you designed it to. So Holy Spirit, open our ears. Jesus, would you uh, awaken and enlighten us to what your word has to say this morning. Amen. All right, let's start off in the book of Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. This is what it says. Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease, and every kind, now someone say every kind of disease, every kind of sickness among the people. The news about him spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. This is the basic premise of our message this morning, that Jesus is a healer. He was a healer when he walked this earth, and there are numerous, maybe even thousands of accounts of the healing works that Jesus did. Certainly through scripture and through oral tradition, we have record of the healings, uh, the raising of the dead. We, we have healing of blind eyes, opening of deaf ears, the, the lame walked. I mean, the lepers were cured. I mean, these were amazing things happening in Jesus' time. And it's because his name is healing. We sang the song today and we referenced that. Um, your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. And it truly is. We've already mentioned the Hebrew name of Jesus would be Yeshua, which is a shortened word of Yehoshua or Joshua, which means Yahweh is salvation. And the question then is, is what actually is salvation? I think we throw the word around inside and outside of the church, but we really don't often stop to think about what salvation is. And there's a Greek word for salvation called sozo. 
And sozo is a wonderful word. In fact, when I was young, uh, just before I got engaged to my beautiful wife, who you know as Pastor Amy, um, I, I actually had started a band called Sozo, and we played some youth rallies, and we had fun, and we had the t-shirt with the definition of Sozo printed on the back. We were cool. There was back in a time when I had hair, and like colors like bright orange were very in style. So we're, go- we're going back a little ways. But the Greek word Sozo is timeless, even though our band was not. Um, and we weren't terrible for the record. We just Got married, had kids, moved on, planted churches. Uh, the Greek word sozo, though, salvation, this is, this is how beautiful it is. All of these things are contained in this one word. It's an amazing package. So first of all, it means to save, to keep safe and sound. To rescue from danger or destruction. To rescue one, in other words, from injury or from peril. To save a suffering one from perishing. To save someone from a disease, to make well, to heal, and to restore to health. It also means to preserve one who is in danger of destruction, to save or rescue. Uh, To save in the technical biblical sense, to save us from our sin. It also means to deliver us from the penalties of judgment. And it means to save us from the evils which obstruct us in receiving what Jesus has done for us. All of that packed into four letters, S-O-Z-O, sozo. It's a beautiful thing, it's a beautiful word, and it's an amazing part of the name of Jesus. Yahweh is salvation. Jesus' name is salvation. It's sozo, and in it there is healing. In the book of Matthew, chapter 8, verse 14, we read this. When Jesus came into Peter's home, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she got up and waited on Jesus. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were ill. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our disease. So the understanding of salvation, especially that word sozo, is inclusive of healing. And healing was a lot of what Jesus did in his ministry. You know, uh, I think sometimes we forget that, but Jesus spent a lot of his time healing and delivering people from demonic spirits. He, He spent a huge portion of his time doing this in his earthly ministry. And he still does it today. Now, The understanding of salvation being inclusive of healing naturally causes us to ask a question. And you might already know what the question is. Pastor Trav, why aren't we healed then right now? Well, that's a fair question. You also might have a question like, God, why didn't you heal my grandma? Why didn't you heal my, I mean, for my kids, it's as simple as, God, why didn't you heal our cat? You know, and you've probably experienced the same things too. And those are fair questions. God doesn't mock or laugh at our questions like that. But we don't always get the answer we're looking for. And so the question to me is fair. Let's try to answer it today as best we can. So what happens is, though, is when we have a question like this for God, who rarely shows up in the courtroom to defend himself, I don't know if you've noticed that, but God quite often responds uh, with silence. And in my understanding, my relationship with him, almost always there is this smile on his face where he's saying to me, son, if you only knew what I knew right now. You, you would not be worried about these things. And I think that's an important perspective to keep. But 
as people scramble to understand and inadvertently sometimes to protect what the Bible says about healing and what it might be actually trying to say, they arrive at varying theories of dispensationalism. And one of the most common is, is, well, yes, we believe that God did that back then, but he just simply doesn't do it today. Well, I got news for you. The Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed who he is. His desire to heal has not changed with the centuries. And his desire to heal you has not changed based on your good deeds or your bad deeds. I want to say it this way. God's desire to heal you is based solely in the work of Jesus on the cross. Now I want you to let that sink in because in that is the nugget of truth that can truly set you free and give you peace with every situation you're going to face in this life. Here's my deal. When those people come around me and say, I don't think God heals anymore, it's hard for me because I have literally seen God heal people. I have watched miraculous things happen. My wife in in other nations has prayed for deaf ears and watched them open. People who could not hear could suddenly hear. Now, when you've seen something like that happen, it's pretty hard to dismiss it. And I got to tell you, it is difficult from time to time because it is almost beyond belief that we saw that thing happen right in front of our eyes. But nonetheless, it happened. And to be fair, I want you to know something. I have prayed for literally thousands of people over the years, and I have to say that far more often than not, they are not healed when I pray for them. I would even go as far as to say as the norm is that they do not get healed when I pray. But I can't help but think of the times where someone has been healed. And that allows me to know that when God healed a month ago, when God healed five years ago, ten years ago, that God is still willing to heal now in this present day and this present moment. And so I have to take what I've seen and who I know God to be and let that form my reality. And you know what? I still love to pray for the sick. Even if sometimes I'm thinking, this is probably just another exercise in faith where nothing's going to happen. But then wouldn't you know it, From time to time, God absolutely miraculously heals someone. I can't run away from that. So does God heal today? I'm absolutely convinced that God does heal today. I've seen it and I can't unsee it. But even more, his word, the Bible, tells me that he still heals. Questions about whether or not God heals become moot for me in that regard. The question to me, becomes more about when God heals. Can I ask you a question? Can you tell me what is the difference between healing and forgiving sin? In your faith reality, what's the difference between the healing and the forgiving of sin? Let's read something in the book of Luke chapter chapter 5, verses 19 through 26. And I'm reading out of the NASB if you want to follow along. It says, but not finding any way to bring him, Jesus, in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let, sorry, but not finding any way to bring him in. They're talking about a very sick friend they had, a paralytic friend. Because of the crowd, they went up onto the roof and they let their friend down through the tiles with his stretcher into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing the faith of these friends, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. 
The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason. I just want you to let that word sink in real quick this morning. They began to reason, saying, who is this man who speaks blasphemies? You know what? Anytime we start to try to reason with God, we're going to lose. I just want you to know that today. We're going to lose when we try to reason against God. He is, the Bible actually says, his ways are higher ways than ours. His thoughts are higher thoughts than ours. And uh, so we don't leave reason to the side. I'm just saying it's hard to reason against him. But they began to reason, saying, who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Exactly. You and I know that. But Jesus, aware of their reasonings, answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins have been forgiven you, or to say, get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up and pick up your stretcher and go home. Immediately, he got up before them and he picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. They were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God and they were filled with fear saying, we have seen remarkable things today. I believe you would feel the same way if you saw some friends, I mean, dig a hole through a roof. You have to understand the, the construct of a home in those days. It wasn't like they took a sawzall and opened up some shingles and cut through some plywood. They had to break through stone tile. Uh, I, I would imagine some wood, some beams, some clay earth. I mean, these houses were built out of stone and, and brick and sand. I mean, it was work to show their faith. The kind of faith that digs down through a roof. You see, sometimes really good faith has to alter your structure, has to alter the structure of how you believe so that you can receive what God has for you. But keeping with the point, Jesus asks, what's easier to say your sins are forgiven or to get up and walk? Now, Jesus was saying this to the religious people at the gathering, but he was really simply asking the question for himself to explain to them. And the point is that neither was easier. For Jesus, it was all the same. For Jesus to say your sins are forgiven or to get up and walk was no difference at all. It didn't matter which way he said it. The man was going to be healed. Now, I mean that this is the same Jesus who does things like spit in the dirt to make mud and spirit in the eyes of a blind man so that he can see. That, that's, that's crazy. That's different. That's, that's not something that we expect Jesus to do. Nonetheless, he, he does it. And you know, Jesus could have waved his hand around probably and said something and, and the healing would have happened. But the point here is it makes no difference to Jesus. He can say your sins are forgiven. He can say get up and walk. He can make mud and rub it in your eye. It does not matter the method. Because the miracle is in the man. It's no difference to him. And it's the secret to everything to understand that it's not in the method, but the miracle is in the man, Christ Jesus. The power is in who Jesus is. You see, at the cross, the Bible says he paid for our sin and our sickness. Our sin and our sickness. One doesn't take more faith than the other because really they are no different. 
And I think we've unfortunately been taught a lot in the church in this present age that somehow faith healing is something different than faith saving, but the Bible doesn't teach any difference between those two things. In fact, they are really one and the same. Let me show you something from the book of Isaiah chapter 53 right now. Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5 from the New Living Translation. Yet it was our weakness he carried, it was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole, and he was whipped so we could be healed. Now this verse is a prophecy from the Old Testament book of Isaiah about Jesus going to the cross. Because Whether you understand this right now in this moment or not, every one of those things, rebellion, sickness, being made whole, those were all things that we desperately needed because sin had separated us from God. I love how Isaiah just kind of lays it out in a list. Bang, 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 bang. And you know, it made no difference to Jesus. He died one and for all at the same time making it right, making a way for us, overcoming fear, overcoming panic, overcoming death by obedience and his great love for us. So where does the rubber really meet the road here then? You might be thinking, Pastor, I want to believe in healing, but I just don't see it, so I don't think I can believe in it. Well, can I just ask you to let faith alter the structure of what you believe today? Just let let faith, that measure of faith that each one of us have, let that alter the structure of what you believe as you read the word of God. You see, we seldom have an issue knowing that we are saved from sin because of the cross. We have felt that forgiveness. We felt that grace and peace enter our lives. When we have done something wrong and we said, God, I need you to forgive me. I've sinned. I've, I've messed up again. Lord, I'm sorry. And we place ourselves under lordship. We put ourselves back under his his control, his authority. We, We learn and we know this grace and peace that floods over us. But we still sin, don't we? I mean, I've been saved from the same sin many times, I'm sure. Like you have, if you're willing to be honest with us today. We still sin even though we've been forgiven of sin and even though sin is defeated, the penalty of sin has been paid for at the cross. The power of sin is broken over our lives, but what's the one thing that we're still stuck with? It's the presence of sin. Everywhere I go, there is an opportunity to sin, whether it's online, things to look at that we shouldn't look at, whether it's a substance that could be abused, whether it's eating too much at a buffet. Well, hey, with corona, we don't have to eat at buffets anymore, so thank you, Jesus, for that. Eh, maybe not. One day we'll be eating at a buffet again, don't worry. Uh, but but we, we run around this world and we deal with sin all the time, yet we think nothing of it when it comes to our salvation. We don't feel unsaved because of sin. In fact... In our knowledge of forgiveness, we feel more saved when we know that Jesus has forgiven us. So why doesn't this apply to sickness? It's the same with sickness. You see, we live in the presence of sickness. Now, can I get an amen, world? 
Right now, the presence of sickness has us all quarantined in our own homes, has us doing church through the interweb. And it's not as fun as real church used to be, for me at least. I can't wait to get back in person one day soon. But this reality, this presence of sickness is all around us. We see it in cancer. We see it in the flu bug. We see it in heart attacks. We see sickness everywhere. We see mental illness. I mean, there's something we haven't hardly started talking about yet. We see mental illness going through the roof, especially in this time right now. And somehow as the church, we haven't drawn the conclusion. We haven't drawn that line. We haven't realized how similar these two things are to God. What is easier for me to say to you? Take up your bed and walk, or your sins are forgiven. If we're delivered from the power and penalty of sin in the cross, we're delivered from the power and the penalty of sickness at the cross. To that end, I want you to know something. God is not putting sickness on any person for the simple reason that the punishment was already put on Jesus. God doesn't put sickness on me. He can't punish me for something he's already punished Jesus for on my behalf. But nonetheless, I'm in the presence of sickness. And so I get the cold. And if I breathe moldy hay dust, I start coughing and sneezing. Now here's the thing. We tend to spiritualize sin and forgiveness, but we tend to leave sickness only in the physical realm. Let me point something out to you. The Bible tells us plainly that death is the final enemy that will be defeated Eternally, for good. It'll be done. But for now, we live in the presence of death. Even though the power of death holds nothing over a believer. Even though the penalty of death means nothing to us anymore. Because we know that when we leave this earth, we will be with Jesus. We live in the presence of sin. We live in the presence of death. And we live in the presence of sickness. That's the way it is. But... I'm telling you today that Jesus still heals. So how do we receive healing? Well, it's simple. We receive healing the exact same way we receive forgiveness. We receive it by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as the result of your works, so that no one may boast. That's how we're saved, and that's how we're healed, by faith, or by grace, through faith. Now, I'm sure the next question to pop up in your mind probably is going to be, well, then what happens if I don't get healed? Well, don't worry. It doesn't mean that you're not saved. It means that we live in the presence and the reality of sickness, just like we live in the presence and reality of sin. What happens if I'm not healed? Well, Philippians 1.20 says this, I expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I know that at a time like this when you may be experiencing loss of people that you care about, it may even be a concern to you that people you have no idea who they are are dying right now. 
that there is hopelessness all around us. My answer for you may not be enough because it's just my answer. But I want you to know that we can trust God no matter what. Because the end of this life is not the end. The hope of Jesus is in the life to come. And yes, there is good things in this life. I don't want to die too young. I want to walk my daughters down the aisle when they get married one day. I don't want to spend my time sick. I don't like seeing other people sick. And I'll pray for people who are sick. But I'm going to be trusting God no matter what. And you can trust God no matter what with me. Because Jesus in who he is as our healer, as our power, as our presence, as our peace, as our king, as the Lord of our life, can give us a peace that passes understanding. For those of us who have placed our hope, our trust, and our faith in Jesus, we have peace that is beyond words. We're going to trust him no matter what. Because he is holding all things together like we talked about last Sunday. He's completing the good work he started in me. He has made me holy and little by little we are all as we follow him being perfected and being conformed not to the panic and pattern of this world but into the likeness of Jesus. That's an amazing reality that we get to live in. And I want to pray with you now. Lord God, for every person that is struggling with sickness in every home right now, Jesus, we ask you to heal. We ask you to come and to make whole. Lord, we thank you that you have provisioned our bodies to fight disease and fight sickness and that you sustain our bodies. God, that you literally sustain our white blood cells by the power of your word. But Jesus, for those things that we are not able to overcome, Lord, I pray that there would be an encounter this morning with your peace and your presence. And that healing would be manifested in the lives of family members in homes. Lord, we trust you no matter what. And I pray for our church family and for those who are watching with us today, God, that as we learn to trust you, as we learn to put our hope and our faith in you, and receive the peace you have for us, God, that it would transform our thinking from the pattern of this world to the reality of who you are and your heart for us. Amen. You know, from time to time, people have been asking me, and we've had this conversation over many years, what's God's plan? What's God's doing? Can I just tell you a secret that I've learned? God only has one plan for me and one plan for you, and, uh, and that is that I'm going to trust him. That's God's plan for my life. Everything else flows out of that. And it can flow out of you too if you'll take the step with us and trust him today. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.